0: On this podcast, you're going to hear The Truth Spoken, The Tea Spilled, and Pop Culture Explored by your co host Faith and Catherine.
1: This is a special edition in honor of our friend Tasha Morrison's book, Be the Bridge, Pursuing God's Heart for Racial Reconciliation. We thought we would give you a little taste of her book, give you some of our thoughts and why you should purchase it. Let's dive in.
0: everybody welcome we are so excited to talk to you all about chapter five where the healing begins this is all about confession and so we want to dive right into that today
1: yeah confession everybody's favorite thing i love confessing my sins not um so i think this <laughs> chapter is just really good i I honestly love the whole book, but I thought this chapter, particularly just talking about why confession is important, um, why confession is an important part of the reconciliation process, um, and then kind of like why we do it. Um, And Tasha quotes um, James 5. Um, 16, where it says, um, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Um, and I think that that's such a good place to start. Like the point of confession is not to um, just kind of unload things. It really is about healing and bringing healing to situations where there has been a fault or you know, a mistake. Um, and I think for Christians, you know, it's an important part of recognizing our own sin. Um, I think, you know, we confess to, um, the Lord when we've sinned against him, but I do think a part of, um, Western Christianity, like we don't, so much, especially for Protestants, the idea of confessing our sins to our neighbors or to people within the body of Christ is kind of foreign to us. Um, and so I just, I thought this was good in that it kind of challenged that kind of individualized view of confession where like, when I mess up, I only have to confess to Jesus Christ. Like I don't have to also um, share with other people like sin that I'm confessing or the mistakes that I've made. And so I felt personally really challenged in that um, And so I'm going to read a quote from the book. It's on page 88, chapter five, if you want to turn there. Um, Tasha says, confession requires awareness of our sin, acknowledgement of it, and the desire to move past the shame and guilt. But those aren't the only conditions for confession. Confession also requires great humility and deep vulnerability. While this might feel risky, consider the risk of not confessing our sins. Faith, what do you think are the risks of not confessing? Why do you think confession is important?
0: Well, that's a good question. The risks of not confessing keep you kind of just bound. It keeps you bound up um, and kind of locked in your own um prison of sort honestly yeah um you can you can be bound and some people you can be bound you don't even know that you're bound yeah um, but once you are awakened once you begin learning and knowing more about this work and um, once you're sitting around maybe you're gonna be the bridge group or a group of people and you're discussing race you're discussing racism you're discussing history um When you are at a point when everybody is, you know, confessing, everybody's sharing, everybody's saying something in the group, and you are sitting there like, I don't think I'm gonna say anything. Like, you feel the weight of that. Like, you feel the weight of your, um, your desire to not engage, your desire to not confess. And I dare to say so many people begin to feel convicted by it, convicted by the fact that, oh, like, I'm not willing to put myself out there. I'm not willing to put myself on the line. I'm not willing to say what I know needs to be said about maybe what I thought and thinking continue to have these, you know, thoughts that aren't healthy, these mindsets, these views that I shouldn't have. And so maybe I'm going to not say anything, but it gets uncomfortable when you put yourself in a place, in a position where truth is being spoken. You can only sit so long um, in that environment and avoid confession because eventually you're going to have to speak up and you're going to have to say like, oh man, like, I I thought wrong about this. And I think maybe I was in this situation and I said X, Y, and Z, and I got it wrong. I missed it. I mean, I've seen that firsthand in my groups when I'm leading groups of people and you have these flows of confession. And then i watch people, arms folded, looking like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not saying anything. I don't have anything to say. I don't have anything to confess. I didn't do anything wrong. Like you're just, you're hit like, you know, these people are hit, their fragility is coming out, you know, before you know it, the, you know, tears, everything. Like, I don't want to confess. I don't want to talk about this. But eventually, eventually in these type of settings, you're kind of like, I got to acknowledge this. I've got to say what it is. I have to name it. I have to name my, you know, uh, you know, racism, like some people who, you know, a friend of ours is a good part of, uh, uh, does a lot of work with Be the Bridge, talked about how she traced her ancestry back to Stonewall Jackson. And she was like, Ooh, I got to confess. I got to acknowledge yeah. this is part of my family's history. I can't just keep this to myself. I'm going to say it. That, like, you really have to get to a point in your journey where you are ready to say this and not just live in the silence. Um, of the whole process. Like you, you want to be an advocate. You want to move to step 10 where you're like, I started this organization to help people, but you can't confess. Okay. in step five, that ain't going to work.
1: Yeah. I think it's like what you were saying in talking about your groups is I saw like clearly that like a lack of confession creates distance in relationships, right? Like you both are distancing yourself from the problem or the issue or the people. Um, But then for people on the other side, it's like, I can't trust you, right? Cuz I know that you're not being fully honest. Like you're hiding. And so that, you know, rather than, you know, reconciliation is about bringing us closer together, um the lack if the reconciliation is about bringing us together, the lack of confession pulls us further apart. And I think mm-hmm. of our friend who when she said that to us, like you know, I could see how it grieved her to recognize and confess that she was related to Stonewall Jackson, but it honestly like gave me so much like I already already we already love this person she's fabulous but it just I think it deepened our relationship because I'm like oh you really understand you're really serious about this you're really committed and that you know if you know anything about Stonewall Jackson I mean he he was horrible um Mm -hmm. in terms of how he massacred hundreds um of enslaved black people who were trying to just win their freedom when he didn't have to um and to say that and to say you know I'm re- I'm related to him and I know that that's a part of my history you know as listening to her share that it's kind of like wow you are really serious that you are being honest it it the honesty i think honestly brought like all of us felt closer to her in a way because of her honesty. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think confession, I think the point, you know, that Tasha's in this chapter is just that it is a critical part of um, the reconciliation process and being unwilling to confess really, like you said, keeps you bound. It keeps you hidden. Um, it creates distance. Now we'll say that there's a way to do confession, Um, and a time and a place for it. Um, because we got a question, which I think is so good and shout out to whoever asked this because you know this shows a level of awareness, a um, about how sometimes confession can be weaponized against people of color. So I applaud our questioner just for even recognizing that issue. So we're gonna talk a little bit for a brief moment about how we do confession. And the question we received was, for white bridge builders, how do we practice confession while being appropriately sensitive that we are not just trying to dump out, our feelings or our hurt onto people of color.
0: I honestly think in order for us to really tackle this, Catherine, I almost think we should say what you should not do, how you shouldn't confess to people of color.
1: Okay. We can do it that way. I mean, I will say my two personal examples is don't start crying (laughs) while you're confessing I know this is hard I'm a crier too like I have a real soft heart I'm a crier too but the tears can be triggering and it just feels like because then the tendency is like when you start crying and when you're doing the confession is that we want to rush to comfort you and like and while that's not a bad impulse that kind of derails the process right like because you're not because then the attention is focused back on you and your feelings um and we kind of And we kind of get away from, again, where are we going on this road to reconciliation? Like we are getting away from that and we're getting more into catering to your particular feelings about something. So I would say that's the number one thing is try, you know, maybe confess to God first, maybe do some kind of your own internal work and processing um, before you bring it maybe to your Be the Bridge group or your group of, of, um, friends of color that you're wanting to share this thing with, um, just so that maybe you're, you've in your own self have created some distance from it so that you can maybe talk about it without, you know, descending into a pile of tears. Um, and then the second thing I would say with confession is don't, I don't make it only, well, this was my ancestor that they did this or, um, my cousin said something really racist the other day and I can't believe she said that. Especially, especially don't do that. If you are not also then going to follow up with when she said something racist, I confronted her or cause it just is kind of like, why are you telling me this? And I will say frequently, um, I think we're in a season where more and more Christians are starting to recognize race and racism. Um, And they want to share every instance of race and racism that they have seen and witnessed and that they can, they want to, it's like, I spy, you know, and they're like,
0: like it's some sort of game.
1: Guys, I spy racism over here. This Becky, you know, I, I, my friend, she did this, I did this. And it's like, that is great, you know, like that you've moved through and you've created this level of awareness, but also think about. You know, yeah, that that can be traumatizing for people of color, and I think you've create sometimes it creates anger in us because it's like, why are you telling us every instance of racism you have encountered in your day yes. without once saying, "I said this, I stood up," or this was the way I thought too," and I confronted her about this, Because then it just feels like, again, Again, going back to what I said before, you're just trying to unload and you're centering yourself in the conversation. Um, And it's not so much about reconciliation and moving forward Would be my thoughts. I don't know if you have something different about how you can, you know, what are your own experiences and being a Be the Bridge Group leader, how you've seen confession, good confession and both how you've seen confession weaponized.
0: Yeah, I've seen them. I've seen some good confession happen, but I think good confession happened after some teaching, right? Like after kind of saying, Hey, like, we're going to talk through these things and like the importance of confession and why it's healthy for us to confess together. Um, And also like really getting people past the shame factor Um, was the hardest part. And once we could move past the shame and get into the confession portion, it was like, okay, like I can say something like, and it was really trying to create a safe space for people in those settings to say what they needed to say to lead them to that point of confession, which people got there. They said, okay, yeah, like my, my parents taught me, you know, that, I can't even think of any tangible examples, but essentially, their parents taught them harmful ideologies. Their parents taught them, "Oh, I can't hang out with black kids," or "I, you know, I could never marry interracially." Like, you know, I just knew that that wasn't, you know, wasn't possible for me. Or I said this, you know, something or did something to that harmful to a person of color, like. Once people got to that place, there was a level of freedom for them to be able to move forward in this work because not only are they confessing, but it's also like the beginnings of a process of them forgiving themselves for upholding these ideologies, upholding these harmful Mm -hmm. thoughts, um, and then choosing to see and to turn away from. And I think when we're talking about this, and we're going to get into this later in the book, but when we're moving towards confession and repentance, that means to turn away from. So it isn't these people confessing and everybody saying what's going on or what they're feeling. So then they can just feel good to tell you that I used to, you know, You know, have a think racist thoughts. I used to not like black people. I used to tell my kid that they couldn't be married interracially or whatever. Like, it's not for you to just say all of that and then you're just going to go back and still continue to perpetuate those ideals. It's, I'm going to say this, I'm going to confess this because I'm making a conscientious decision every day to move away from this harmful way of thinking and into truth. And that's a daily practice of mine to move away from this evil, this sin of hatred into truth and love for people um, in a way that I haven't had before.
1: And I think to your point, and this is going, again, going back to, you know, what Tasha said at the beginning and kind of the outset of just like examining your motives, like I would say to my sister that asked this question, it's like, when you are confessing, what is the point? Is the point that you want to be comforted? Is the point you want to pat on the back that, oh, wow, you used to think that and you don't think that anymore? I would say if either of those things are your motivations, it's probably not the right time or place for you to confess because if you're just looking for a pat on the back like faith said we're trying to we're trying to move away from something and towards something else and so i i have seen where people oftentimes especially when they want to point out the rel- racism of others it really is they want like a gold star mm-hmm. to say like oh yeah you get it now that's so great and i want to say um you know, that's not any more helpful to us than you just kind of sitting in your shame and guilt. Right. Um, and I want to turn for a little bit, if we could touch briefly on... Um, Another thing I thought was so powerful in this chapter is the way Tasha models confession in her own life. Um, when it talks about colorism and the sin of colorism, um, for those of you that are not familiar or aware, um, just because of how white supremacy in this country, um, in America, um, for people of color, black people, well, I won't say just people, I won't say just black people cause I've seen colorism in other communities as well, um, the idea that the closer you are to being white or fair skinned you are to be you're more praiseworthy you're more beautiful, you're more desirable you're smarter in a lot of ways um and specifically in America, I'll talk about um that our history is that the lighter colored s- slaves were allowed to work in the house had a nobody had it easy in slavery, but you know got to do maybe a little more desirable task and that they were in the house versus the darker slaves were in the fields doing much more difficult backbreaking work. Um, and so one of the things I think that Tasha models beautifully in this chapter, um, is kind of confessing her own sin of colorism and how she had kind of preconceived ideas about, um, people who, you know, of color who had a different skin tone than she did. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just think that kind of humility, I think, is so admirable in a leader. But I also think, you know, for us to not just be so focused on getting other people to confess their sins, um, but that we need to be willing to enter in and confess our own sins as well.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's so, I'm really glad you brought that up because, um, colorism has deeply affected, um, so many communities and, I actually called my grandmother um on my dad's side, my paternal grandmother to talk to her because I wanted to learn more about family history and it's kind of it's hard to get things out of your grandparents sometimes when you're talking about history yeah. there's so much
1: oh yeah there's so
0: much stuff and sometimes there's some painful history so you don't you know they they don't know a lot you know and so my grandmother was telling me the story of her mother's father um so her grandfather who was very fair skinned, possibly mixed, but she's not quite sure. Um, but he was very fair. She said he, he looked pretty much white. Um, and he did not want to have anything to do with my great grandmother because he said she was too dark. Wow. And when I tell you all, if you, if I showed you a picture of her, she was not dark. She really was not dark, but that, that, that's that colorism the 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 divide that it creates i mean It is real. I had those pain points in my own life because my dad is very fair skinned and I'm darker skinned. And I used to feel not as beautiful because I wasn't light like him. I wanted to be light like him to the point that there was some points where I was almost upset with my mom that she was dark skinned because it was like, oh, like now I'm dark like you and I want to be light like him because I had this perception as a child you you know that the world views lighter is better and I had to really come to terms with loving myself loving my skin tone everything um on my own and kind of walk through that process like walk through what that felt like for me and and talk about it right I confessed I talked about how I felt and yeah and and how I was feeling so I could move past it but it's. I mean, it's a real thing. Like, it's a real thing. This color is an issue.
1: Oh, for sure. I remember, like, growing up. I mean, I think it's just like a common thing. And in, in like, don't spend too much time out in the sun. Like, be in the shade because you don't want to get any darker. Like, again, even us, like, people of color, have internalized that. Where you know, all these skin brightening and skin ble- bleaching skin treatments that you can buy. I mean, it really is, um, real. And so I'm just going to give you all of our listeners some free advice. Don't tell anyone they're pretty for a black girl. Like that is actually an insult. (laughs) And I just, I, you know, having been on the receiving end of that, it is not a compliment. Like, Don't do that Um, because it feeds into this whole thing of like, oh, like there are shades or there are different kinds of beauty um, based on your skin color. So everybody who listens to the podcast is never again going to tell someone they're pretty for a Black girl. Like, and I've done my public service for today.
0: So now this is what we want to leave you guys with. Think about this process of confession when you are thinking about, okay, like, I, I want to talk about this. I need to confess this. I need to I need to acknowledge these issues. Think about your setting in which you're trying to confess. Don't walk up to a Black person at the grocery store and be like, I got to confess. I've been walking and I've been racist and I've been, and I've been doing this stuff and, and, and I'm so sorry. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's weird, number one. Um, and number two, just don't do that. Um, check your setting. Find safe people to confess with, you know, a pastor, a safe pastor that knows about this work. Yeah, don't be going to no perpetrators. A pastor deeply involved in this work of reconciliation, confess. If you're going to be the bridge group, talk to your people. Find those safe spaces. Don't bombard people with your shame and your confession and dump on them. You need to be invited into that kind of a conversation. So that's my encouragement to you. Find places where you're invited in. Yes.
1: Find places you're invited in. Think about your setting. Think about your own motivations for confessing, um, because you can confess however you want to in freedom to Jesus Christ in your own prayer closet. Um, but when you're talking to other people, you do want to be sensitive that your confession isn't creating more trauma and tension unnecessarily. Um, and, you know, again, we'll say it again. And Tasha always says this like intent doesn't negate impact. So even if your intent is like to really get in there with a the confession, um, you know, your impact might not be what you want it to be. And again, just, I think thinking about each of these things, whether it's shame and guilt, whether it's forgiveness, whatever it is, it is about, we are moving towards a destination confession for confession's sake. When it comes to reconciliation, um, we are confessing because we want to be healed. We want to move together from what was wrong to what is right. So thank you guys so much for joining us and we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, Be the Bridge, Pursuing God's Heart for Racial Reconciliation by our friend Latasha Morrison, available now wherever books are sold. Get your copy.